All right, first rinky dinking of 2020, boys. 2020. That truly does sound like the future. It really does. Like even writing it down, I feel yeah. like I'm in the future now, but I'm in the present. Isn't that crazy? Life is crazy. But it's one year. We had this debate the other day. It's like 2019 just felt like it was, it was just another year. It's just another teen. I guess that's why, right? Because it's 2014, then it's 2015, and then it's well, 2016. In retrospect, was 2000 all that much different than 1999? We yes. Okay. <laughs> Come on, that was that was emphatically different because it was the millennial and. We didn't know what was going to go on at midnight. No, no, but once we actually got there. In the 2000s? Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of crap changed in a hurry. Well, there you go. In the early 2000s. But uh, this, because it's flipped over to 2020, just felt like, man, I should be taking a flying car to rinky-dinking today. Like, I should. If you went back and looked at yourself, slapped yourself in the face in like 1987, and you said, okay, what is the world going to look like in 2020? What will the NHL look like in 2020? Is this what you would have envisioned? No. I, I would have, yeah, I really would. I'm with you. I'm, I would have thought there were flying cars. and we were Half of us were living on a different planet and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we could, we could just beam ourselves Yeah, up. there'd be, well, there's sort of, and, we're sort of doing that now yeah, in some ways. <laughs> we're here, we're there, we're everywhere That's because true. of our little devices. Uh, would you have... Have foretold a outdoor game in a football stadium in South Dallas. I would not have foretold that. No, in, I don't think in 2018. Would have. No, no. <laughs> when Brad brought it up, I really didn't think it was going to work. I really am going like the Cotton Bowl. Have you been to that place? That's old. Well, you've been hanging out with the Brain Trust, of the National Hockey League. I know League then because well, that's then, how they felt. Yeah, they were the same way. It's just amazing. It went so well, just because I. I think everybody thought there was a real chance it was going to fail. I, the old joke about hockey back when there were a lot of scraps, and that was I, I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. This was more like I went to a fair or bowl game <laughs> and a hockey game broke out because that's what it yeah. felt like. It was a carnival. It was truly a carnival. Yeah. And Wh which it had to be, right, in, in a lot of ways. I don't know what it was like at Notre Dame and some of these other ones, but, man, if you're going to pull this off in the environment, right? we'll get into the TV stuff later, but you you better have a lot of stuff going on, right? Yeah. And then the other thing is make it unique. And as odd as it sounds to say that cowboys and pig races are unique uh, because we've been here in Texas and they seem yeah. like cliches, for everybody else, that was just like, whoa, I can't believe this. They're racing pigs. But even I think even the people that were there. And I've talked to a ton, and you just got the vibe around there. It didn't matter whether you were from here or from the north or from the east or from the west. And, and everyone had a phenomenal day Yes, at the Cotton Bowl. Like, everybody did. I think they, they, there were long lines. They ran out of stuff. Uh, you, you know, you, they, they had no, there was no food. All this stuff was going on. But the weather was almost perfect, certainly perfect for the game. Right. Pretty much perfect for the people. You didn't want it to be 90. No. And you didn't want it to be icy and subarctic and dangerous and all that. So it was, it was outstanding that way. But I think showing whether it was mutton busting or pig races or a guy swallowing a sword as he's skipping on a unicycle... I mean, when you think back and you start, somebody had a list of all the stuff yeah. that went on and it was just like, that all happened? Right. Somebody planned all that. Yes. <laughs> Along with this game in the middle of everything. And it's been a long time. You and I have covered this for a long time. It's been a long time since the On Ice product actually lived up to the hype and, and they're part of the bargain. Yes. With an event like this now this is a one-off and it's it's a crazy event but just you know, game sevens or playoffs or wh whatever you want to throw down uh and it didn't look like it was going in the right direction in the early going no yeah the the whole cory perry thing is well you're, you're just yeah. like okay but let's 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 take it by step let's kind of let's let's kind of work into it. i know i jumped way ahead to the end but no the, but i I'm with you on the fact that the product on the ice needs to be the star. I think that's what you were saying. And so, you know, with all the stuff around it, 
Yes. You need a yes. great game. Yeah, I mean, you can't just... You can't just throw a bad game out there and say, oh, all No, the but at the good. same time, I think that's what we've done night in and night out in the NHL now. Yes. Which is, if you're going to bring and invite and ask 18,000 people to spend their money, make the effort, park their car, or however yep. else they get to the game... Yes, you want to entertain them. Yes, with the with the actual ev- event or sport, and yes, you want the home side to win. But th- you can't you can't promise that. No, you can't control. It. You can't guarantee that. So you want to make sure that that on basically every whistle and every downtime that there's some kind of entertainment value that they're going to get something else out of it that if the team didn't play well and they lost you still feel like you got right. something out of it so they do that on a grand scale i guess with the winter classic at least they did here but this all started with the with the uh national anthem mm-hmm. that that is and i was anticipating that that was the loudest we will ever hear right stars a couple of times during the American National Anthem. And people said they were crying. It was chilling. It it was. Like, it was goosebumpy. I I loved every bit of it. I think everyone was waiting for it. Yeah. Now, where we called the game from, right down uh, next to the glass, where the the two girls and the two guys on horses came out as uh, flag bearers, man, they, they did not know or weren't prepared. The poor planning that went into having them right next to the rockets going off and i'm sitting there and i'm like we're we're gonna see a wreck here yeah. like somebody's going down yeah. there's no way they did a incredible job of controlling their animals and they were spooked the entire time and just when they'd settle back down again off would go some more of those uh they the on their ride out the guy they galloped out to their spot uh, the first guy almost got dumped by his horse as he right. put the brakes on in front it was there was a lot going on there was a, that was the interesting part of it all there was a ton going on so we get into the game and the first three minutes first five minutes let's say of the winter classic well, how do you just trying to absorb and unpack that as it was going on was just like what is what 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 because immediately when they dropped the puck it was on right like it, it was it was a divisional hockey game right from the get-go all the other stuff was wonderful and it was terrific but once they dropped the puck man here we go and then stop and guys on the ice and players walking off and and what have you so i think the unfortunately or maybe just as a sidebar of this thing the the endearing image of the 2020 winter classic is going to be Corey perry elbowing ryan ellis Corey perry getting ejected and Corey perry walking 75 yards out of the cotton bowl yeah i <laughs> I think that can be one of the images. The image for you name you name another one that's going to endure through the years more than that walk. See, from I'm that wa- game, I, I want to go to Radulov and just there, the stadium no, explode. It was it was phenomenal, right? And for a lot of people, Stars fans, in that they're going to say, "Man, that was that was when it was at its height," right? But for the general public, <laughs> when we look back at, after the 2027. Uh, winter classic and they're they're documenting okay that right. was the whatever winter classic uh like name the biggest thing that happened at notre dame last year i can't remember yeah exactly right black all black uniforms on the chicago blackhawks right. that's all i can think of yeah. when people think of this one they yes they'll bring up all the carnival acts that were going on cowboy carnival but the the enduring image is going to be that walk that from from a filmmaker's standpoint, the cinematography was beautiful. <laughs> How many different angles did they cut to on that? Huh? Yeah. And yet, and, and then they, it was too bad that they had to start the game again right. because I, I wanted them to walk them straight into the tunnel. <laughs> and right. maybe just that yeah. silhouette up the tunnel. It would have been beautiful. Oh my God. It would have been like an old Western. Yeah. Lonely. Like Ford had done it or something. <laughs> Uh, but they, they got him almost to there, and then they, they were back playing the game again. And, of course, Corey got five games for that, which I thought was a lot. Did you think it was a lot? Or? Uh, it, I don't understand the Department of Player Safety, um, but it was a bad hit. Well, yes, it was, a, it, it was a bad hit, and there's an injury on it. 
But at the same time, when you're turfed out of the Winter Classic three minutes in. Yeah, that's a game right there. To, well, to me, it almost feels like the playoff rule where right. that that should count as two games. Right. So really, you're saying that was a seven-game elbow? No, you're right about that's that. That's too much. I, I, I think, think part of the problem also is the spotlight is like you're saying. I mean, that's the moment. So then people want justice or people want to see the NHL. It's a good good place for them to make a statement. Yeah, I yeah. I... I I knew he was going to get suspended. He knew he was getting suspended, but that seemed like uh, an awful lot. The Radulov goal, the players themselves all said, was the loudest. And it was great because fans could anticipate it was going to happen. You know, 86,000 of them. Because by then you were comfortable with your viewing area in that and just the way it was set up on the power play and you could see the net billow and i've lobbied for billowing nets forever (laughs) because it is way more artistic and dramatic yeah and if you're going to have people 600 yards away from the actual goal they better be able to see it and they saw it and they went nuts that place was goofy when he scored that and that's fun. the whole setup to it all because I think you know we've seen in some of these comebacks, they're they're a lot more fun when you know when you're down two goals and you have to come back. It's kind of cool. Well, it's, yeah, it's a plot twist. Yeah, it's drama. That's what we we live for. And I go back. I'm glad that the league and everyone around it right now are saluting the fact that the first goal isn't winning every night. Right. I mean, people forget. There was a time not too long ago. How long would that have been? Maybe a decade, 12 years ago? Yeah. 15 years ago? Where when whoever scored first was going to win the game. And if you were leading after the first period, yeah. let alone after the second period, it was church. Like it was it was 90%, over. right? You're throwing dirt on whoever's down. Right. Like they're, they're not coming back. Nobody could come back. It was like... Uh, grounds for firing everyone <laughs> if a team rallied from a, especially yeah. a two goal deficit. I'm just talking if you were up two to one after 20 minutes of play, yep. the numbers bared out that you were probably going to win that game. Yeah, and I said it when they when they went away from from fighting and sort of the way the game was being played to this more wide open, skill conducive NHL. All. All well and good, but you you better make offense champion, and you better make it where when a team's up by a couple of goals, the game ain't over. Right, and they and they have done that. Now we're at that point now where if a team is up by a couple of go- two goals or three goals, does not mean they're going on to victory. Right. Which no, is a great thing. It's fantastic. And I think, you know, you can go all the way back to the, you know, the clamp down on hooking and holding and just just allow them to have ice. And then I think the athletes are just so much better skaters and skill players. And, you know, they can do this. You know, the coaches want the coaches will give them a plan to come back. The players can do it. Yeah, but then the, the argument would be at the same time, they should be giving them a plan to hold on to this thing properly. It's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? Because I do watch this with you, and and I'm going like, why are they sitting back on this? And not just the stars. Everybody, I did, every game. I personally didn't think they held on to that four-two lead in the Winter Classic all that well no. in the third period. No, and yet, um, th- they were comfortable with what they did yeah. in that period. And it was, you know, it's a weird game. It's a complete aside. I know, I know. No, this is a complete aside. But uh, Rick Bonus is talking about chances for chances against. And uh, they, one of the stat guys tweeted something out this morning that they're one of the best teams at chances for and keeping chances against down. And so I think a lot of what he does is he... We're going to get into Rick Bonus later on. Oh, Why do you I'm always want to jump I'm ahead? Jumping. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Like I'll there's a list. I tweet or don't tweet. I, I text out the yes, list. Yes, you did. I, I Maybe that. I need to tweet it out. And let people, so that people give me some ideas. know how jumpy you are and uh, how you want to get ahead of yourself so much. My point being, during Rinky Dinky. Anyway, my point being is he he doesn't see the chances against in, in those situations. You and I may disagree. He sees shots against. He doesn't see chances against. Yeah. I see shots as the potential to be chances. <laughs> as a goalie. <laughs> and I was right next to the glass, and I was watching that third period, and I was banging the top of the boards because I could see opportunities right. to end a play, and they weren't doing it. You know, there was a lot of stick checking that was going on, and thank goodness Ben Bishop was as good as he was, yeah. and, and Nashville is as bad as they are at times. 
offensively, and that was that. Uh, the st- little aside, I, I think this was underreported. The room the stars took at the Winter Classic, okay, was it's the if you're walking up the tunnel, it's the room to the left at the end of it. That was OU's dressing room at OU Texas. And apparently they switch rooms every year. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So next year they'll be over on the right hand side. So you don't get they don't get the same uh, locker room for football, dressing room for hockey. And get that straight out there, people. We don't have locker rooms in hockey. Okay. Where they put on their gear is called a dressing room. Back where they put on their gaunch and their street clothes. That can be a locker room. They lock up their valuables back there. But you, it's not a locker room, okay? In the other sports, I think it is. Do they get dressed in the main room in the other sports? Is yeah. that why? Football. Anyway, I'm getting away from my point. My point being, all four teams that have used that left-side locker room this year, three football teams and now a hockey team, 4-0. and oh. Wow. Yeah, I bet you they didn't have that on NBC. Friggin' killed that. <laughs> uh we covered Corey Perry in the people's elbow. The uh, and it's going to be remembered for that. Then the suspension, and I think the pig races, right? Yeah, the pig races. Pig are races were big. Yeah. And uh, I was kidding around with Eddie Olchek, who does double duty with NBC, and also covers their horse racing. So, <laughs> so I was before it, when they said there we were naming off names like you know it was Andrew Hogliano and all it was a couple of uh, Porca Rene yeah and those so we I, I was like can you give me a trifecta or or some kind of one of those boxes or yeah. whatever that you do. Uh, the exacta on this thing. So he was going off on it. It was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I learned during the Winter Classic was that you can sort of, kind of, square dance to the music of sticks. And I never thought that was a possibility ever. It was a funny to hear that. It was the grand the Grand Illusion is what they were doing. They were doing with. their best. Yeah. But I'm just saying to hear that song. Yes. Which is all about all the spectacle and how life is just this big, fake, false illusion. And you're just looking at that stadium going like, yeah, this is pretty this much is pretty fit. much nailing it. <laughs> Sticks knew about this back in the 80s. But they were doing, they were square dancing. and But it was it was like they were trying to. Find some kind of a box rhythm to right, this song dude. by a 70s band. Uh, anyway, that was funny. And doing the game next to the glass for me was an amazing, I mean amazing, reminder of just how little space and uh, the physical and cognitive skills of today's players that is just phenomenal yeah when you look at Miro and some of the plays he does and you look in the in the press box you're like oh yeah well that makes sense you get down on ice oh and my there's God. bodies flying everywhere there is no room and there is very little time right down and there the vision of seeing bodies going between that's the thing when I stand next to the rink I'm going like how are they seeing all this stuff okay but that's you standing next to the rink in practice right like and it's different yeah like it's nice and you can see the speed in that but the, the intense the hatred intensity uh ramps up like it does go up i mean a full level when it's real and to just sit there on my little squatty stool (laughs) and and watch that at that level and they were fighting the ice surface as much as nobody wanted to bag on the ice because they put so much work into it man it was all over the place and it was tough on the players because you're playing a divisional rival with some major hatred between the two with what went on in the playoffs, you're fighting the puck and you know that it's coming full contact. Right. And, uh, you know, guys were like trying to get their head up at the same time you had to bury your head to settle a puck down. It was, it was tough and borderline dangerous at times. And I think that's why some guys got cranked in the game a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, but I just have all the respect in the world for these players. I mean, there was no time to just kind of dust it off and wait around. And there was somebody on you in a hurry and trying to find a space and manipulate pucks around. It, it, 
truly was spectacular to see it from that vantage point again and then just be able to take in the entire Cotton Bowl. Well, and the NHL people who were there who are at all of these, you know, the event people said that was the most competitive one that they've been at. As far well, as yeah, intensity. there's a five-game suspension three minutes into well, it. Well, like, you know, that, but and I also think that you're right. a I mean, fight and everything else. Uh, the Predators and Stars. Yeah. That, they really, you know, they don't, don't you think like that was other. a great move by yeah. the league to go away from the just you're from the East and you can come and play this one and we only see each other two times a year and everybody touchy-feely, huggy and all that. Yeah. I was glad they shook hands at the end of it yeah. again, too. I know they do series. that after every game. But it, you're like, man, that's that's two real painful handshakes in yes. Dallas for the Nashville Predators. Yeah. And, and they're it, a good team, too. I mean, I, I like Roman Josie. I like different players on that team. <laughs> they're... They're a good team, but they're 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 not as great a team as some people make them out to be. No, I agree with that. Like they really aren't, and their their goaltending is aging, and that that stings them a little bit. And they're they've they've just morphed so much, trying to be something in the last little while. I mean, you forget a couple of years ago they were in the Stanley Cup final, right? And they seem a long way away from the Stanley Cup final now. Yeah. And it, maybe that's just the nature of the beast. That window opens and closes in a hurry. Now it just feels like it's just the screen there in front of them. Look at that. That's pretty good by me. All right. Enough on the Winter Classic. Terrific images by our man Totes, too, who was right next to the glass. I think that's one of the other things that comes out of that are all the images. I mean, yeah. There were a lot of pictures taken. Well, and again, we talk about the the you know the new technology and everything like that. The fact that we can get all of that crystal clear yeah. and it's amazing. I was going to ask Totes one real quick. Totes, what's up? What's an opportunity like that for a guy your age? Because like I look back and I was whatever twenty nine, thirty two when you know they were winning the Stanley Cup, and I look back now and go, that was the greatest moment of my, of my life. Yeah. And and I, it didn't get better after that. <laughs> I'm not saying yours won't, That's but worrisome. I mean, to, to have that opportunity at your age is pretty cool. It, it was incredible. And honestly, I don't have like the sample size. I've only been working in sports for about eight years, but is far and away the coolest event I've worked. One of the top five sports uh, games I've attended. And I know this is like tenfold even more for you guys, but it gets hard at times to get sports excited now yeah. working in this industry. And that day was just far and away the coolest thing ever um and one thing you didn't bring up that i think was bear's note was the crowd sing-along to friends in low places by garth brooks oh, you're not going to bring up the wave too no no i hate the wave well then 50 50 on that yeah it was they and but they did it again against detroit which yeah. was awesome so this is our thing I, and it's been going for a while i like it but I mean, there were eighty thousand singing it there, and they were lubricated by that time. Too. <laughs> They're a little bit happy about yeah, the game. Everyone too. knew the lyrics by then. <laughs> You're right, I, and that the grandest thing out of it, and and it's it's probably a basket of maybe four or five things in the winter class. One that the weather cooperated. Man, it could have been a disaster if that yes. didn't happen, right? And if it's four days earlier or whatever, it it is a disaster. Yeah. It's not going on. Uh, but the the fact that the fans had such a good time, like they, they had a great time. I don't know whether the Nashville people did. I hope they did. I mean, they were. Ha it looked like they were having a blast yeah. in the early going. The people I've talked to said that the both sides, fan-wise, are actually pretty nice to each other. And, and one of the other things that really struck me about it, looking around from down at ice level, was it was a sea of green, right? But the majority of the jerseys were not like old stars jerseys or even the the current regular stars jerseys and sweaters they were the winter classic ones yeah. it was like it was like 65,000 people bought something that had that logo on it for that game whether it was a, a sweater a, a hoodie a whatever i mean everywhere i looked was was that logo yeah and you know fill in the coffers Chris Smith did a terrific job and had to fight, you know, fight his way through. Dan, you know, Brad Alberts, Dan Stuckel, uh, Rocket Fuel, uh, who had a hand in doing things and setting things up. Uh, and obviously, Chris, it, you know, just they nailed it. 
with a, a ton of help from the league, it is astounding how much the NHL throws at that game. Yeah. Like, it ain't going to fail. No. And every T is crossed and every I is dotted for that one. And then you just lay your hands up and just go, please don't screw this up, Mr. Weatherman. You know, don't rain, don't be 90, don't all these things. And it didn't. It was the average high on January 1st in Dallas, Texas is 51 degrees. And I think when they dropped the puck, it was 52 yeah. degrees. Yeah. It felt colder, but it warmed up. <laughs> oh, my God, totes. One more underrated moment from yes. the game. Okay. Going off, you guys talking about these two teams' rivalries. I liked how they did the walk-off interviews with players going in at intermission. And how about Jason Dickinson just saying, yeah, we hate these guys, as he goes in for second intermission. Got the crowd fired up. Love him. Love that for the game. Really add some juice. Was that in the in the? Yeah, I played on the jumbotron in the Cotton Bowl. Oh, I didn't know that. That oh, was great, great moment. I was busy doing my job broadcasting on the ticket, which is our flagship on radio. Uh, so I must have missed uh, that in the bowl. It's a good thing we have Toad here then. But that's yes, Mister Cotton Bowl. We're going to call him from now on. That is that is good. Yeah. You know the the one thing I I wondered about though, every previous Winter Classic did the teams not walk out together? That's a good question. Like I, I was I was surprised that they came out one team and then the other team at the beginning. Did they walk out together? No, they came out. To- no, 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 no. Yeah. They came out for warm up. Yeah, next together. to each other for warm ups. But then I think but it's then always when they separate. Came, when the they game. came out for the game, it was. The Predators came out, and then the Stars came out. Yeah, because Dallas's intro was that choreographed square dancing, and then to the Stars. But did they not, at all the other Winter Classics, did they not walk out to the ice together? I don't know if that shot's just been from warm-ups or if they've done oh, okay. it for the game. But yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. But how about that intro? That was cool. It was awesome. It was so cool. It really was. They they nailed it. They, it was, they really it was so much fun. So much fun, and they lived up to it. That's a good thing. All right. Uh, speaking of living up to it, We're going to talk about Canada and the World Junior Championships next. Start it. Start it from the bottom, now we're here. Start it from the bottom, now my whole team here. Start it from the bottom, now we're here. Start it from the bottom, now the whole team here. Start it from the bottom, now we're here. Start it from the bottom, now my whole team in. Start it from the bottom, now we're here. All right, there's an old slogan. Canada is hockey. Hockey is Canada. It's been graffitied over a little bit <laughs> the last decade or so uh, by other countries. But this year at the World Junior Championships in Ostrava in the Czech Republic, Canada beat the demons of Russia in the gold medal game. To once again secure their spot atop the world in hockey at that age at U20. It's such great hockey. And uh, I don't understand, and it, it drives me bananas, why it's such a just Canadian thing, the World Junior Tournament. Why is it so Canada gets it, it's only Canada, and... Everywhere else, it just doesn't mean anything at all. I mean, it means a little bit, but it doesn't mean what it means in Canada. Yeah. I think it's a lot like basketball for the U.S. Uh, you guys invented the sport. You've owned the sport for We invented a basketball, too. So well, technically. That's true. Totes. Totes is looking at me the, curiously. The Hall of Fame's in Massachusetts. But I thought it would gain... Uh, success with the U.S. success. And the young Americans have won a bunch of yeah. these now. And they're right there. They weren't this year, but they, they've they been knocking on the door year in and, and year out or have been in uh, you know gold medal games or won the gold medal. And everyone anticipated like a decade or 15 years ago, when this finally starts happening, then this tournament will take off in the United States, which is the biggest market on the on the planet. I'm sure it's big in Russia too, you know, on their television and that. But but when you watch the games on they're on the NHL network right. here, TSN basically owns it and they have forever the sports network in Canada, basically ESPN up there. And they put all kinds of resources into it. They they don't grab two junior 
model starter kit broadcasters to do the game. They 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 bring yeah. you know their their prime guys, Ray Ferrero and and uh, and Miller do the games and have for a decade. And you you look in the arena. Even my daughters were saying as we're watching it, like you look at the ads, you think it's in Canada. Yeah. Tim Hortons, there's all these Telus, all these. They're just Canadian companies on the board. Well, on one side it's all Canadian, and on the other side wasn't it all Czech? Because they probably on the the non-camera side. Yeah, and it was all Czech for the for the home broadcast. But that's how much Canada cares is that they got an entire side of the boards just for Canadian TV. Yeah. So, I is that does it not translate? Like here, here's the thing: the final four. The BCS, right? Uh, these are your next superstars in your sport, right? And as much as the Memorial Cup, which is the Canadian uh, major junior equivalent of your NCAA tournament down here, and that it, that's never going to translate into what those other things are, right? This, these are the best players under twenty on planet Earth from every country, yeah. going head to head. And yet, it just, it's crickets out there. And we usually grab onto the flag as strong as anybody. Yeah. So you put a U.S. flag on something that usually, you know, you look at the World Cup for women's soccer or whatever, it just takes off. So I'm with you. I, I don't get it as much. Um, Is it the timing of it? There's so much yeah. else going on? I think going head to head with football playoffs is hard. Too. Yeah. And bowl games. I mean, just thinking, I, I was flipping back and forth between a wild card game in the NFL with Aikman and Buck calling it to this game going on in in the Czech Republic between Russia and right. Canada. I understand why probably wouldn't resonate in the United States, but even when the US has been in that game, it's just again, it's just it's not really, the same. Yeah. It's flat. And it shouldn't be it just feels like it shouldn't be that way. Still. No, I get it. Make I, it better. I'm trying. Totsy, make it better. We're, we're going to hand the torch to Totes and <laughs> tell him he has to carry it forward. All you know, here's my pet peeve from it though. Now, I'm just just a razorium here. The or razorial, the uh, the teams used to all look different. Like Canada would get into the the semis or into the gold medal game and the European refs would lose their minds because Canada was so physical and then this, the Canadian team would have to kill off nine power plays in the game and they'd still persevere because the team they were playing was so intimidated by the physicality of the Canadians and the entire arena was whistling, which is their booing and that. You watch these games now? You can watch a, a Sweden-Swiss game. You can watch a German-Slovak uh, game. You can watch a, a U.S.-Canada game, a Finn-Russia game. Every, every player out there, every style is exactly the same. Yeah. There's, no, you, there's no difference between how the Swedes play and how the Americans play. None. Right. Zero. Zero. It's... I go back, and it's an odd comparison, but I go back to the fact that when I first started, fighters all had their own style, and then 10 years later, they all fought exactly the same because they watch videos, or they were coached, or, you know, everybody's trying to find the right, you know, golf swings now. You know, you don't have the unique golf swings. Everybody's trying to, to do it exactly the right way, and so, you know... I do think technology has spread the word that, you know, we need to coach hockey this way. I think check, I think you're right with with that, with some of that technology. Also, these kids play one another so much yep. now. Like, they never used to see one another until the World, World Junior Tournament. Right. And now there's U15, U16, U17, U18, U19. And then U twenty. Yep. I mean, they've played one another since, you know, they were growing facial hair. It's the first little whisker showed up on a chin, and I, I'll be honest with you. And it's I don't think it's jingoistic at all. I preferred it the other way. Yeah. I liked it when the Swedes looked like the Swedes and they played a certain way, and the Russians played a certain way. And, and they had their faults and they had their greatness. The Americans played a certain way, which was different than the Canadians. Like it was just, 
every country had their own personal little style or swerve to it, you know? And now they're every single team. It's just like a league. Yeah. It's like a league now. Yeah. Instead of what it was back when Canada and Russia fought. There were a lot of things that were better in the old days. You ever want to yeah. check out the wildest world junior too? And I remember like Rob Brown, who's a teammate of mine, was on that Canadian team. And they, they got in a, there was a brawl. Like everybody on the ice was fighting, yeah. Canada and Russia. And this was back when it was, it was on. Yep. Like this was not, there were, all these Russian guys weren't playing in the Western Hockey League or in the OHL and that like they are now. That's the other thing that yeah. is pr- probably a major reason why every team looks the same. All of their best young players, for the most part, are playing in North America. Right. So they, they're living with one another. They're teammates with one another. But in that game, they started fighting. The the overseers of the World Junior Tournament and at that venue had no idea. They couldn't stop it. The refs on the ice couldn't stop it. So what was their bright friggin' idea to stop it? They flicked the lights off. So you've got 40 guys out there swinging at one another. Let's, let's just turn the lights out so you can get away with murder if you want on the ice. And then finally it settled down. It was zany anyway. Just crazy. Better days. Uh, but good. feel good for Ty Delandria. Yeah. Right? I definitely think so. Yeah. Uh, the process going forward, I think the stars are hopeful. We're always hopeful, aren't we, that these kids are going to turn out. Yeah. And uh, this crew seems like a pretty good group. Uh, I think a lot of people would have loved Thomas Harley to be on that team. Should have, yeah. I think he should have. The... the, the there's different theories that he went to the uh, uh, tryout camp to try and show he was a different player than he was, and so he didn't play "quote unquote" his game. And then you know they're like, "Well, we got a couple other guys." And- I wonder. I have to. I, I can't help but wonder whether the fact that he's sort of American played into it in any way, mm, shape, you or form. No, I don't know. Yeah, speaking of jingoistic. Yeah, but I. I he was so impressive at yeah at, camp, at training but- camp. And when it was stunning that he that he didn't didn't go, but Delandria did, and really played the role for Canada that he is projected to play in the National Hockey Correct. League. And it's not going to happen overnight. He's not no. going to all of a sudden waltz in here. But in in a few years, Ty Delandria is on a path to be a third line center that. Uh, can play on both sides of the puck, and that's how we played for Canada. Yeah. It's a very important position on every team. We get caught up in first-round picks and wanting them to be so offensive, but I think you look at what Radic Fox has done yeah. and think, well, that's a pretty good first-round pick. Yeah. We'll take and that. He's, he's and a Canadian what, version of, Ra- yeah. of Radic. He's not as, he's not not as, as big, big and, and physical. But, but, but he's, he, he's pretty friggin' gritty. Yeah. And he had some sweet kicks out there. See the Canadian yeah. flag uh, skates he had going? Yeah. We need to do more of that in our sport too. By the way, I think so. I think there should be some. I tried to get painted pride. skates into the World Classic or Winter Classic. That was what one of the things I wanted. You know, as sort of a little wink back to the old Oakland Seals, Charlie Finley days. Yeah, and just it just seems like we should have we should be a little more colorful in that area than just black skates. Interesting, but. There was no appetite for it, and they couldn't do it. So. You should talk to some of those college football teams. They could probably help you out. Yeah. Maybe maybe colored skates would help the TV ratings, which is our next topic Ooh. after this. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will so, uh, one of the uh, semi-little pockmarks, I guess, on the delirium of the Winter Classic would be the fact that uh, if a tree falls in the forest aspect of the uh, television ratings. I, I don't think overly surprising, and there were mitigating circumstances that were tossed in there. Uh, and it's a tough, again, it's a tough day in the South. Oh, yeah. Conflicts of other things going on on television and, and what have you. But uh, it was not a, a big draw to eyeballs outside of a few markets. Buffalo watches anything that has a puck involved in it. And uh, obviously these two markets and a few others. I was impressed. Oklahoma City, I think, yep. was like top 
five or six. Okay, C, yeah. shout out. Up north. Strong work. Oklahoma. We're doing our, our best work north of the Red River, <laughs> growing the game that way. Uh, what do you think was the biggest reason for the that? Honestly, I think the anticipation that it wasn't going to be great. I think there was this feel that, oh, it's just hockey in Texas. It's not going to be that great. And so then why would I tune in? And then I think... If there had been some indication it was going to be that The fantastic. replay of it might outdo yes. the... That's why, yeah. like, now people are going, oh, it was good? Oh, I didn't <laughs> think it was going to be good at all. And that, I think the replay would do great. Yeah, well, I mean, tough competition. Yes. Right? Michigan, Alabama. Yeah, that's not you're, easy. You're alma mater there. Yeah. No, not really, but... <laughs> I know, I'm joking. Uh, the teams are... The, the, let's... We're in, all in on all things Dallas Stars. Right. These teams are not national teams. No. The Nashville Predators and the and the Dallas Stars are not I mean, rarely show up on NBC's programming during the year and haven't for a while. Again, we go back to the fact the Stars haven't been a back to back playoff team in a long time. Right. Nashville had their little run and it was fun and all that in the spring. But they're a different team now, too. They didn't go long in the playoffs last year. No. The Stars went two rounds, and they were toast. So, you know, there, there were a lot of things. I give the NHL all kinds of credit for uh, reaching out and with, a, with a bigger embrace right. than what they have done recently, probably knowing that they were going to take a hit in television ratings. Yeah, nationally. For, I think we killed it on radio here locally, though, I think. I hope people had headsets. At the game. I don't know if you could have picked it up in there, though. Yeah, you couldn't get cell service. Because uh, I was going to say every hockey fan was there. Yeah, right? I know. Right, well, hold it. <laughs> they weren't they, waiting. Okay, they weren't shut your mouth, Mike. Shut your mouth. Shut it right now. Okay. Keep your yap shut. I will. Because that's been the argument around here for a long, long time. Oh, yeah, well, the 18,000 people that are actually into hockey are at Reunion Arena or American Airlines Center when the stars are playing. <laughs> Isn't that a cute little joke? It was pretty fun. Well, you know what? There were uh, almost 90,000 people there. So is that the audience then? It's 90,000? Could be bigger. Yeah, exactly. You shut your cake hole. Uh, and then the other part of it, too, is that we we don't really, on these two teams, don't have any national uh, individuals, national iconic uh, individual players. Correct. Like. As much as we put these guys on pedestals locally and regionally, same thing with Tennessee and, and their team and that. Like, P.K. Subban was going to be the king of this right. thing because it's the Bridgestone Winter Classic. He does commercials for Bridgestone, or at least did. Right. And, you know, engaged to Lindsey Vaughn. I mean, he feels like he this is celebrity culture, and he's more celebrity than he is a star in the league right now. And... uh and then he got moved to the New Jersey Devils. So that changed that. Yeah. But I think all those things, it was a confluence of them. The ratings for the uh, Road to the Winter Classic, I don't think are going to be very high either. And again, I'll, I'm no offense. I, no. They had storylines and they put the effort in. They put a lot of resources in. Totsi and his abilities are... As on par, if not better, and I think better, just because of the comfortability of the guys around him and yeah. that. But even how it looks, and that, and the interest of it, I, I thought was was better. So anyway, yeah. that's just me. Well, you go back and you you know you hear all the fans complain about too many Chicago's or Pittsburgh's or Detroit's or New York's or whoever, and you then you start looking at saying, okay, I understand this is a business, and if the television, yeah. you know executives sit there and say okay chicago delivers well why shouldn't we give them more opportunities so I well see i mean that. we're not we're not morons yeah. well we are sort of but we're not we're not moronic hey how about that the in the fact that the reason why some of these teams are on all the time has nothing to do with anything but what kind of a rating can we right. pull out of there because this is a business yeah and they have to look at it and say you know chicago against detroit on uh, Sunday is a better idea than Tampa Bay and somebody else that is a more competitive game and right. whatever else. I guess it's just going to draw big more eyeballs and, and a bigger rating for them. So 
Uh, Rick Bonus's Stetson on his head lasted about as long as Corey Perry's tenure did in the Winter Classic. I think he took it off in like three minutes. Not a hat wearer. No. He's a visor guy, apparently. Yeah. Should have done that. Should have just taken the top off that Stetson and just had <laughs> just had the rim. Would have been a good look, yeah. Huh? And then he could explain it. But too much. I char- actually like the varsity jacket. Too much character that. going involved. Oh yeah, I mean, they look great. Yes, hats, it, no hats or no hats. Look, they it, look great. I love. I love everything about it. I, I I really do. I loved it from from game one. I mean, they nailed it in Buffalo. They had Sidney Crosby at yep. the very beginning of his superstardom, and it was in Buffalo. In a snowstorm. In a snowstorm, and they fought the elements, but it, it, it was exactly what they desired and needed. You know, they're shoveling snow off every eight minutes just so they could play the game because that's what you did as yeah. a kid. You know, you played out in the snow, and after a while, you can't find the puck, so you just shovel for a little while, and then game's back on yeah, again. Sid's uh, bouncing the puck on his stick yeah. so he doesn't have to carry it on the ice. Like it was, it was awesome, and everything following that, whether the game was good or or wasn't great, just the spectacle of it, I, I always enjoyed. But the game actually counted yes. too. And that's what some people lose a little bit of track of is the fact that, yeah, everyone's treating this like an exhibition, but there's two points on the line. And especially when you're divisional like that, two whopping large points. And looking at at Rick Bonus's tenure now as interim head coach since Monty got fired and came out with a statement, we'll just leave that at that. Uh, the Stars are 7-3-1 and one in the 11 games that he has been behind the bench, starting with that game against New Jersey the day that Montgomery was fired. They were 7-3-1 and one in the previous 11 games. Interesting. Isn't it, though? Yes. So maybe, maybe the players actually are uh, in control of this thing. Well, yeah. So what do you see in, in the Rick Bonus Dallas Stars? They're different. They really are. And, and, and the way he talks about things is different. Um he really believes in this chances for chances against, like we talked about earlier. And so if you give up 20 shots in a period, he doesn't care. If As long as he looks down and it's four chances against or whatever. And I know your theory on it, and I, I think I have some of my own. And, you know, the, the analytic community says, you know, the more shots you get, the fewer you have against. Those, those are good things. Those make teams win. If you go back to the 90% type of things when scoring first and all that stuff. Um, so it's been interesting. It's been interesting to watch. Um, the other thing is I don't know that he embraces a chess match of, of matching the other coaches' decisions. And that can be a good thing because he's just trusting that his players know what they're doing. He's letting everybody play, which is a weird thing to do when you have $9.5 million players not playing near as much as they have in the past. Um, but it works right now. Um, and it might work even better going forward if the players buy in and they all, you know, if the players are the ones who are determining these things. You know, Rick said the other day, he had a great line for me the other night in, in Arizona. And I said, well, what did you do, da, 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 da. And he goes, was that I, your question? That, my, my question was, what did you do, meaning the team, to come back against Arizona? Oh. And I said, that, you know, that'd it wasn't the da curious, da That'd da. be an interesting question to a coach. Da, 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 you da, should da, pose da. that one at some point, yada, though. Yada, yada, yada. Is it interesting <laughs> that da, 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 yada, da, 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 and then they have them just stare at you? His, he immediately came back at me and said, what they did... Like, he wants the focus to be on the players. It wasn't what he did as a coach. It wasn't how he talked in a locker room. It wasn't adjustments he made. The players changed the game. And he, I think he firmly believes that. Yeah. I, here's my take on it. I, I see big trust in people, first and foremost. Yeah. And an old-school love of the blue-collar guy and the value that they have within your, your group. The... Luxury of great goaltending that you have to. I mean, San Jose, I, they could have Scotty Bowman behind their bench. I don't know if they're winning with Martin Jones just acting like a human sieve yeah. in there. Uh, you can't overcome, you cannot overcome mediocre to poor goaltending in this sport. You just can't. You'll Especially over, in this era, you overanalyze everything going on in your world if you have mediocre to poor goaltending. 
It's like we say in the broadcast business, same thing. No uh, level of of off-the-charts production can overcome incompetent broadcasters in the booth. And yet we prove it game in and game out that you can at least get by with that. Uh, there's an unflappability to Rick. I mean, when you're in your mid-60s and you, you, you're you going to coach your 2400th game and you've coached in five decades, you're, you've seen pretty much everything, yeah. I think. You're, you're not going to get... Oh geez, what's that all about? Or all riled up over even you know watching him at the Winter Classic when they were getting buckled early and it was not going well, and there was a true fear that they might get shut out yeah. or something or you know blown out in front of eighty six thousand. And I looked across and there was really no change in his demeanor. Now I, we've seen guys in past that would have been ripping into people or uh, up and down the bench and leaping past assistant coaches to get a message down here and pulling out whiteboards and all that. Wasn't a lot of that. It was just like, hey, we can do this and do that and and move forward. I can sense a bit of a D-men are leading uh, with this thing much more than what we've seen in past. And yeah. I know they, they wanted them to get more involved in the offense, but they're just – I watch every day who gets talked to on the ice. There's a lot of meetings with Essa Lindell. Yeah. And there's talks with Roman Polak. And there's talks with uh, Miro Haskinen. And when Johnny's healthy, there's talks with Johnny. It's just because that's who yeah. he is. He's, a de- he's coached defense primarily his tenure in behind benches in the NHL. So that's his whoopee blanket. That's his group. Yeah. Those are his boys. And the real the realization uh, that he was doing a lot of coaching here before too. I, I I don't think you can lose. And this is nothing against Jim Montgomery. No, he was the head coach, and he did a ton of coaching. But Rick was doing a lot of coaching. Like Rick Bonus was doing a ton of coaching in and around, and even helping him. And, and to his credit, Monty uh, credited him. Uh, yeah, I think that. it was by design. I mean, I think they got Jim Montgomery a veteran assistant coach, yeah. and I think Jim Montgomery said thank you. Yeah. Now, I'll say this: he hasn't really had to deal with much in the way of adversity. Now, game one was this is a weird day. But you're up against just a w- horrific team. If you look at the beginning, you look at the end of this 11 game. Mm-hmm. You know you get you get New Jersey, who were a disaster and just waiting to trade their best player and had just fired a coach a week earlier. And then at the end of it, you get a team that's not trying to win, that's all banged up in your game after the Winter Classic and the Detroit Red Wings here. So uh, they they haven't been injured for the most part. Yep. He dinged up here and there, but. You know, you're not losing major pieces to your puzzle for long uh, stretches here. And seven of the 11 games have been played at home. Yeah. And this team is very comfortable at American Airlines Center. So some of that's going to change here going forward. And they're going to get challenged a little bit more. And there's probably going to be a little more coaching. The one thing that I, I agree with just in watching right now, and some of it still might be him right. catching back up to being the head head coach again. There, you, you'll look down there. Even last game, you look down. He's got a hard match going with Fox's line against Bertuzzi and Larkin and those guys, right? Yep. And at home, you can get them out there all the time, and they were eating them alive. It was a lucky bounce, and they scored early in the game. Otherwise, they weren't getting anything. And and then in in the third period, and it's still kind of a hockey game. There were three or four different lines that played against that line in the third, and some of that has to be how comfortable he is with people and their ability to play against right. somebody. And some of it might be just, oh, geez, they're out there again. Because they were coming out about every second shift, so right. you're not going to play one line against them and just leave Sagan, Ben, and Radulov on the bench, although you could have in that game because they, <laughs> they, they didn't have much left yeah. after the Winter Classic. No, I agree with you. And, and it's, you know, part of this is just going to be he likes everybody to play. He wants everybody to have 12, 15, 18 minutes. Yeah. And, you know... So at some point in time, he's going to go for the match. At some point in time, he's just going to let everybody play. I like back in the day, like there, there was a time with a lot of coaches that it, if they deemed you weren't good enough to p- play against that guy when he was on the ice, you just had to change. Right. And I think it was, it was probably when Tip got here 
And his philosophy was, okay, let's, you can play against anybody. Right. You, 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 we've got enough, uh, you got enough talent. We have enough schooling in our systems in that. You don't have to run off the ice with your tail between your legs every time Sergei Fedorov steps on the ice. Right. Like you, you can get, we can get a half shift against him with you and we'll be just fine. And then from that, everybody gains a little bit of confidence. Because the last thing on earth you want to do, I would think, is tell people you're n- not as good as him. Now, guys understand, I probably shouldn't be out there against him. It's not conducive to winning this game. But you don't want to just slam it right in their face and and whip them across the nose with a newspaper in that regard. Yeah, he's very protective, I think, of yeah. every single individual yeah. player. And, and, and that can be a good thing. And if they have a bad game, you have a bad game. Yep. You know what? I've been in this league for five decades. Guys are going to have bad games. Yeah. Not the end of the world. Nope. Here we go. Move forward. And then how does that build your chemistry and your team and your support and all that? I mean, it helps. we'll him. have to wait and see. I, I Personally, I think it helps in a, in a big way. Yes, the proof will be in the second half pudding. Right. But the, the idea that your group internally is going to – it's a weird thing because I think the perception from the outside from time to time is that, so what are you saying? It doesn't matter who's behind the bench. Right. Like you could, you could trot out anybody. I could, I could go behind the bench and coach this team. No, that's wrong. Uh, I could, you couldn't. That's true. And we, I think we all understand I'm more that. of a GM type. Yes, you are. <laughs> more of a puppet string human being. No, what I'm saying is some, some coaches – deal with it this way and some coaches deal with it in in a different way and from time to time they're gonna have to jump in there and grab a hold of of things but when you're cruising along i mean just like a car if you're on the open road and it's it's going fairly well you can hit the cruise button yeah you still have to steer it but you don't have to worry about the gas and the brake that's taken care of by the computer well the computer in this regard are your leaders and, and your internal community and, and your group. And when you get that going on, where they're holding one another accountable, that to me is a, a terrific coaching job. If you can create that, develop that within your right. room. And I can smell the beginnings of that with Rick Bonus in behind the bench here now. Yeah, I was a little bit hesitant at first just because I've, I've um, had a great amount of respect for coaches who push buttons mm-hmm. and say, oh, look at how psychologically smart he is to do this and do that. And, and I look at him and he's just like, we're all in this together. We're going to just here be honest. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to share our feelings. And if you didn't play well, we'll tell you you didn't play well. And we'll tell you why you didn't play well. And that breeds a lot of trust between the players and the coaching staff. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it with this: you, you have, you do have to have certain types of individuals within your group, though, in order for that to work. Right. Because the other way it goes is where the inmates start running the asylum, and they can run over that attitude where the rope really is long. Right. And uh, and they take advantage of that. I, I I think this is a pretty hungry group that that for the most part isn't going to do that. No, but, and, and I think the guys who are getting that responsibility, the Coglianos and Comos, they take it very seriously. Yeah, and they want this team to be good, and yeah. they will hold their. Hey, look, there's some good pros in there. When yes, you're the oldest are. team in the league, and you're averaging nine, 29 years of age, you better have some good pros in there. Yeah, and this really feels like their team here now. All right. We're off to Cali, Totsi. You guys all coming? Are you coming to Cali? Yeah. Are you looking forward to that? Excited. Why? Lakers came tomorrow night. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Best team so, in the NBA? Let me, let me get this straight. We just finished an entire rinky-dinking podcast, and we talked about the greatness of the Winter Classic, uh, World Junior Championships, uh, some TV ratings, how things are going under the – the bonus stars and that and we're heading out on a on a california road trip it's supposed to be the uh the return of Corey perry and of course the return to san jose in the bay area of joe pavelski their former captain and and you're most excited about lebron it's a it's a close one but yes all right we'll see if we're even going to invite you on the plane you might have to fly commercial out there i'll tell you this hikes and you probably swerved to this one back in the day, didn't you? Up in up in Michigan, would this be in your wheelhouse? 
Did you do you have some hydraulics on your on your uh, on your struts? I'm not exactly. I'm going sure. back to Cali, to Cali, uh, to Cali. Now we're going talking. back to Cali, styling, profiling, going back to Cali, growling and smiling. Well in the sun, baby. Oh yeah, we're going back to Cali, peeps.